The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 190. Who cares? Uh, I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, last episode, we spoke about the concerns of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles in the wake of my NFC East Dumpster Fire series. And this episode, we're going to get to... Uh, we'll go. We'll go back and forth. Brandon and I each came up with a list of nine <laughs> reasons for optimism uh, for the 2021 uh, Eagles season. So we'll bat it back and forth. Uh, hopefully, we don't have the exact same nine. Uh, but Brandon, how you doing, buddy? How's your summer going? Jimmy, happy belated Fourth of July mm-hmm. to you. We're recording this for a peek behind the curtain, if you care, on Monday morning, July 5th. So just to date the episode there. Obviously, BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Son Craft Jerky. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. But Jimmy, I have a special guest here that I want to show you that the listeners obviously won't be able to see as I'm turning away from my microphone to get the special guest. Ah, it's Rube. Oh, who's that? This is Rube Seltzer. It's James Seltzer's dog who I'm watching okay. while he's on vacation. And Rube wants to let the BGN radio listeners know that he is extremely interested in getting from wildnaturepet.com. He hasn't yet, but he t- we talked and he's really interested. So wildnaturepet.com discount BGN15 for 15% off the best dog treats that you can get. This Rube returns to his bed there. So Hold on, yep. hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Jimmy is now tilting his camera. Uh, there to he show is. Me. Charlie. <laughs> Charlie's laying right next to him, being a good, faithful friend. So some dogs to start the podcast. Very unexciting for the listeners. Like we could just be lying to them right now because they can't <laughs> right. see it. We aren't. But uh yeah. Once we go video, I mean this this would be that'll be so much better. Compelling but, uh, content for sure. Yeah. All right, Jimmy. All right. So should should we just get to it? You want to go first or or me? I'll go first because you know what everyone knows what <laughs> I'm already going to say, and it's Devontae Smith. I mean, how could it not be? Uh, the way that I off my it, list. Yeah, cross that one off your okay. list. I mean, see, the way I kind of frame mine is like reasons to be excited. Sure. Like not even necessarily just out. It kind of goes, you know, hand in hand. There's some, yeah. some similarities there. But um, Devontae Smith, I mean, there's just so much juice with him for a team that doesn't have a lot. Like, most exciting thing of the offseason to happen, I would say, by far. Um just 
genuine excitement about a wide receiver playing for the Eagles who could be good. Like that's not a common occurrence, especially in recent years. A guy who might be their first a thousand yard receiver since mm-hmm. 2014. Like this guy is, I think, electric. I can't wait to see him play. I just think everything we've seen, both in college and then the very, very small sample size of OTAs, there's just like he's so good. He's a really good wide receiver. Things gonna be able to make a difference from the jump. I can't wait to watch him. In fact, the way that I wrote this was Devontae Smith will bring some juice. (laughs) You said said it exactly the same way. Uh, And I mean, he brings juice to an offense that hasn't had any in a while, Uh, particularly in 2020. I mean, there's just nothing. Horrible quarterback play, scheme stunk, offensive line injuries out the uh, Heiner. Wazoo. And, (laughs) and, uh, you know, injuries elsewhere, terrible wide receiver receiving corps. So, yeah, he'll bring something to this offense that – Hopefully, or hopefully we'll bring something to this offense that, you know, the fans can get excited about. Uh, my first thing is I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit here. <laughs> with the first one. Yeah, with the first one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Not that far off the beaten path, but mm-hmm. uh, in Sixers process, like, uh, you know, when they were going through their losing seasons, their mm-hmm. process like accumulation of draft picks, mm-hmm. which, of course, gives us. Other teams around the league to monitor. Of course, we'll be watching the Miami Dolphins and what they do this season and how high that pick can possibly become. And then, of course, we will be looking at the Indianapolis Colts and their acquisition of Carson Wentz. How will he play? Will he make it through the season uh, health-wise? Will he make it through the season not getting benched-wise? And where will they finish uh, in the AFC South. So that'll, it's kind of a fun thing to do. Like what were the teams that we watched when the Sixers were, t- I know the Sacramento Kings were one, what were the other teams like that? You know, we were the Sixers fans were kind of rooting against during that time frame. Um, the Lakers, I think, you know, mm-hmm. for time because of the MCW pick, unless okay. I, I can't remember. It's been so long. I feel like, but yeah, I, I definitely get the point to the extent, Jimmy, where I'm going to have to cross this off my list. And I had it at number two. Did you? Very, <laughs> the very next thing I was going to say. That's great. I'm but glad it, I got to it then. <laughs> but it makes sense though, because like it doesn't, it's not contingent on the Eagles. Like the Eagles don't have to do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can be bad. They can be good, whatever. Either way, like it's just something independent of what the Eagles are doing on Sundays that you can look forward to. Also, uh, like not even just those teams themselves, but it like makes more games in the league. Sure. Interesting. Like, yeah, you like if the those. Eagles are playing at four or, and one of these other teams is playing at one or vice versa, it gives you something to watch and to root for. Well, that tangible also- to root for. I'm talking about too from just like so now a, a random Titans Bengals game could be more interesting because you want the yes. Titans to win and you want them right, to win right. you know the AFC South so the Colts don't like so it kind of right. gives like a bunch of games more meaning not just like the direct ones of the Colts and the Dolphins um, but you know in their divisions as well so I think that's interesting and uh, looking forward to that very much so so yeah number two on my list makes our uh, you and I are the only ones I think that do like the the yeah. Sunday rooting guide. But that'll make uh, life a little easier for us <laughs> writing those each week. So uh, mm. good for us. Anyway, yeah. you're number two. What's going on? Um, good for content, as Bo Burnham might say. Um, return of the crowds, Jimmy, is what oh, I have. Right. Okay, I didn't have that. Three. I didn't think of that. Uh, but that's a good one. It, but it's true. Like so, obviously, you know, I, I'm I go to the home games, and um, like. 
so it's not like impacting you know my ability to go, but just seeing you know all the fans back in the stadium and tailgating. I'm sure Seamus, you know, will get the BGN tailgates running back up uh, when when the games are going. So just like seeing the fans, seeing people, the energy of the crowd is always unreal to me at the link. You know, when it when things are going well, yes. like when things it's like it's just it's an awesome place to be. Um, so looking forward to that, and also uh, the accountability factor. I would say too. Oh yeah, that's good. good. Yep. Yep. The fans kind of like holding the team more accountable. There's gonna like I think, Jimmy, I've said it before. I think if things get off to a rough start of the season, which they very well could, like fans are gonna be patient. Fans are gonna be like Oh yeah. Even though like expectations are kinda low going into the year, but having not had the ability to boo them last year, <laughs> like right. this team has a very short lease. They would have gotten booed into oblivion last oh, year yeah. during the season. So yeah, I like the accountability part that you added in there. And also in in addition to just the, you know, the crowds in the stadium, actually just go into the game. And I mean, we park like we don't have to walk through the tailgate, the tailgates road, but you can see them when, when you're you know driving through into the parking lot and kind of get you can kind of get a look at them from like where we park or whatever. Like even that is kind of fun, like seeing like sort of the uh, the, the pregame juice uh, leading up to the game. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that as well. My next one would be uh, let's go with the offensive line which, uh, of course, there are a lot of ifs here. And a lot of these uh, reasons for optimism, a lot of them are going to have a quote-unquote if attached to them. And offensive line is sort of uh, at the forefront of that premise where you know, Lane Johnson has had that ankle problem since 2018 when he originally injured it against the Jaguars in London, uh, to, just to kind of put into context how long ago that was when they played in London. Uh, so that's that bothered him the rest of that season. He only missed one game the rest of that season. Uh, in 2019, he missed four games. In 2020, he missed nine games. And in my opinion, like he's still arguably the best right tackle in the NFL. If you thought, like even when he was, even when he played last year, and he was dinged up and really hampered by that injury. He's still really good last year. So he had surgery. He got asked if he'll think that, you know, whether does he think that ankle will be back to 100 percent. And uh, as always, Lane is very honest. And he was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> so he doesn't know if he'll be back. Brandon Brooks, of course, uh, coming back. He had three very serious injuries in the short span of 18 months. Uh, originally tore his Achilles in the playoff game against the Saints. Uh, had a shoulder injury the following season against the Giants. And then, of course, uh, tore his Achilles uh, last year. I think it was about May of last year. So uh, he'll be ready for training camp, presumably. Um, if he can stay healthy, then that right side of the line will be a major strength, whereas last year it was a weakness. Jason Kelsey returns. Isaac Samalo is fine, I guess, at left guard. And then at left tackle, we'll, of course, have the training camp. Uh, battle between Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata. Assuming Mailata wins that, I think they have a pretty good offensive line from left to right uh, with, again, like that right side of the line having the potential to be great once again. So, uh, again, a lot of ifs attached to that. Oh, by the way, that like their depth is very good, too. Uh, assuming Landon Dickerson can uh, can give them something this year if somebody goes down. Jack Driscoll, I think, is a decent enough uh, backup offensive tackle. Whoever loses the, the uh, training camp battle is at least a decent enough backup at, at left tackle, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, some other guys mixed in there as well. I actually just did a, a deep dive on Sua Opeta for wow. July 4th because uh, it was easy to do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was a little better than I thought he was going to be, too, when I took a look mm. at him. So they have plenty of depth. Um, they're probably gonna have to cut a guy that they would otherwise keep, but, uh, it's a good, it's a good starting five, decent depth. 
that's probably the strength of their team aside from one other positional group, which I'll get to next if you don't. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get there. Um, But, I mean, just from the standpoint of the team had historical amount of Mm -hmm. starting offensive lines last year, very probably just not likely to have to go through that again just from a, you know, like like a statistical, you know, like regression, but in a good way. Um, That's what I was trying to say. Uh, So I agree with you there. I guess maybe I'll ask this question to you after you get to your next thing. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about something, but uh, offense. My next one was offense should be less painful to watch. Question mark. Uh, I think at the very least, Jalen hurts his mobility. You know, offers excitement. Again, this is a list. That's what I had framed. To. <laughs> yeah, reasons to be excited, yeah. and I think at least him at the very very least. I mean, it could be even better if he improves as a passer. But even if he doesn't, and he's still running like we talk about here how he's like one of the best running quarterbacks in the nfl well that will be exciting Mm -hmm. um and it'll be exciting to see him i mean just think i think you know think back to his saints game last year his first start like he ran all over that team like you know it was was great it was fun to see yeah um so uh it's not going to be i think you know like this plotting boring offense when you have a guy who can at least kind of create his own yard sometimes and pick up some first downs and stuff so i have that as my Number three. I wonder if they'll tailor the offense to that. Like, mm. in theory, well, Jeffrey, well, not this part is not in theory. Like, Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman, they want to run a pass heavy offense. Um, in theory, this offense would be best suited to, you know, a, a Baltimore Ravens model where mm-hmm. they run the ball a lot and they use Lamar Jackson in creative ways in the running game and the passing game. So we'll see if they go that route or if they just stick to their pass heavy. Um, and I agree, like you should build an offense to be, to, you know, to be pass heavy because it's, <laughs> that's what the rules, you know, the, the rules are favorable to those kinds of offenses in the NFL. So, uh, but with this roster, it, it, they should, if, if they're, if they're trying to maximize the number of the wins they have in 2020, then that's what they should be doing. Side note on that Jalen Hurts point, by the way, like if he's, if it's looking like he, like he's not the guy and, um, you're probably going to be getting a quarterback whether that be through trade or the draft the following year. If he's not good, the silver lining that you maybe take away from that is that it makes the, like in the same sense that we talked about, you know, you have other games to watch like the Titans and the Colts and Dolphins and whatever college football games become more interesting during the season too, because Mm -hmm. they're likely going to have a high pick and there's a good chance that they take a quarterback with that hype with one of their high picks. So um, even if he's bad, there's at least something to look forward to in that regard. On the Hertz thing, too, I mean, what Sirianni always talk about? Like, what's his big selling point, right? It's like adapting to the yes. players. Like, as a, as opposed to, I think, you know, there's kind of been like, they got away from that in the last regime. And and this and Sirianni is going to be more about not having his scheme, but he's going to really... So, yeah. So, I think that's an interesting question. If we see them, if we see Jalen Hurts, like, you know, dropping back, like, what, like 30 plus times a game well yeah, then good. yeah <laughs> and the, the question is great. will they let him do it will they let him run the offense that he wants to run hmm. so i think they should i mean well, yeah i mean he's the head coach he should have yeah. control over that kind of thing you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next thing on my list is uh the pass rush um mm-hmm. which i think uh you know their defensive line's strong um with Fletcher Cox in the middle, he's not the elite player that he was before, but he's still a very good player. Brandon Graham's still a very good player. Uh, Derek Barnett, eh, borderline starter in my opinion. Josh Sweat had a had a big breakout year 
not a big breakout year, but he broke out a little mm-hmm. bit last year, made some big plays uh, during the season last year. Acquisition of Ryan Kerrigan on the edge will help. And then they have some guys uh, in Javon Hargrave, who I think his season was kind of stunted early in the year because he was out with, what was it a hamstring injury, if I recall correctly? He did a couple different things going on, yeah. But before the season even began, like he didn't, he barely practiced at all in training camp. And then um, he missed, did he miss any games early? Yeah. He missed, he missed a game. the first game yeah, at okay. least. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was sort of uh, slowed by that. And then, uh, of course, they drafted two defensive tackles in Milton Williams and Marlon Tui Pelotu. So we'll see what those guys can can bring to the defense. But um, really good group, both uh, on the offensive line and the defensive line. So and I think they're the strongest team in the division in the trenches, at least. Um, Washington, of course, has that great defensive line, but not as strong as the Eagles, in my opinion, on the offensive line. So there's one thing the Eagles have going for them in this division. If you care about them winning the division and, and maximizing the number of wins, it's that they are going to be good up front on both sides of the ball. So two things I want to stop down on there. First, you kind of glossed over the Fletcher Cox thing of like not elite player. Anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big deal to me when you look at the Eagles salary cap and the guy. Oh, yeah, he's got huge up, cap numbers. Yeah. The most amount and like by far on your team. I think he's like five million ahead. Of he got his own entry player. in the uh, in the dumpster fire series. Yeah. I mean, it's not that again, it's not that Fletcher Cox is a bad player. No one's saying that. But like he's being paid to be like an elite difference maker and I don't really think he has been as much the past two years. Now, obviously, some of his impact goes beyond stats, but you made a good point in that series, I think it was, Jimmy, where you just look at his like quarterback hits in 2018 when he had a really good year, and it was like yeah. in the 30s, right? In the past two years, I don't even think it's 30 combined. Like Sacks as well. Like He had more sacks yeah. in 2018 than he had combined in 2019 and 2020. So, like, you know, like, that's not great. Um and, you know, you wonder how he's going to age and everything. Jeff McLean had that article I think it was like mm-hmm. a month or two ago about how there's like kind of internal concern about like Cox and maybe like like how he takes care of himself or and every or like how might how long he might how he's setting himself up to to yeah. have a prolonged career. So, you know, I, I don't think that to me, that's not I know this is the excitement podcast not the concern one. So, <laughs> but, I mean, he brought that up. So it's just something I feel like yeah. it's been under talked about. Um, the other thing. Why, was, why don't we take a quick. Oh, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll take a break after more. your point here. Yeah. The other thing I had for you is a question. Is like, so I, I see a lot of people say that. Like, that's the reason for optimism this year is the trenches are good. But like, I, like how? I mean, first of all, there's what ifs as we've talked yeah. about on there with just Cox and then the health of the offensive line, the aging and everything. So not even a guarantee. But like, even if it is good, let's say it is good. Like, I just wonder how much of a difference that makes for this team when there's still so many holes. Like, I get that. I agree that the trenches are the most important place to invest in. And I think the Eagles can be potentially strong there, but like I'm trying to think of like, like who's their, who's their. It seems like people think like there's this bad roster, but the offensive and defensive line can kind of carry them. Is there like a template for this? I'm wondering. Is there another team out there that is kind of like what they could be and uh, like they could aspire to be this season? Well, yeah. the 2017 team, <laughs> the 2017 Eagles were maybe an example of that. Of course, they got um, you know MVP level. Quarterback play. Well, yeah, that's run. a big deal, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. but otherwise, the strength of those teams were also the trenches. Like, their offensive line yeah. was really the reason they won the Super Bowl. And their defensive line, I mean, uh, until that – I mean, they got the strip sack in the Super Bowl. Before that, they, they weren't playing that well. Of course, Patriots got the ball quickly. But in the two other playoff games in Atlanta against Atlanta and Minnesota, like, they dominated in those two games. So, 
yeah, I guess that is kind of the template. They've, that's how, but that's how they've always built their team. They've always built trenches first and then built outwardly. But without the quarterback, right, playing at a high level, there really is. I mean, there isn't a template for for this team to to win a Super Bowl because their roster just isn't good enough. Well, yeah, I was just saying, like, is there like another team you know that you can think of, like a different team in the league that's out there that I think. What I'm trying to get at, I guess, here is like there's a threshold with the quarterback, like where I just think it doesn't matter. Like you can have like the best trenches yes. in the NFL if the quarterback isn't at a certain threshold, then like I just don't know how much that really matters. Is that the difference between like five? Like I don't know. Like what kind of what kind of how many? What does that team look like in terms of wins? Like is it really is it a playoff team? Is it I don't know. I, I just well, let's look at like Green Bay for example. Like with Aaron Rodgers, what's their over under? Like eleven yeah, like and a half, five, eleven, oh, eleven point five. Without with, him, with, with Aaron Rodgers, 11.5. Oh, yeah. And then without him, what is it? Yeah, I would say like 6.5. 6. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's a pretty big swing, you know? Um, So, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy? Before we do, let me tell you about Right to Sun Craft Jerky, which is the best snack in the universe. Like, Kristen Roach is the best, you know, realtor in the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only have the best in the universe on this podcast for right. our listeners who are also the best in the universe. So, uh, very smooth by me. Go get yourself some Right to Sell Craft Turkey, which a lot of BGT and radio listeners seriously have done and enjoyed it. I've heard nothing, genuinely, I'm not lying when I say I've heard nothing but like positive feedback on people who get that. And uh, Jimmy, you just saw some down at LBI. I so, so, you know, sometimes you, you find pr- it. In I, the wild. I, I, I wouldn't have even noticed it, but the, the woman in front of me in line, uh, there were like two cut out cardboard things full of um, Right to Sell and uh, you know, jerky bags. Jerky. And she just took the entire cardboard cutout thing that had like <laughs> four or five bags left in it, just took the whole thing. And I was, yeah. and I was, and I looked to see like what it was that she took. And it was right to Fallon. Like, I swear to yep. God that actually happened. Uh, Jimmy did send a picture of the empty box or whatever. <laughs> I did. I it was did. Left behind. Yeah. No, she took so, the whole box. The, the, the picture oh, I sent okay. was that was there were two boxes. It was the remaining box. Like, she didn't mm. take the, I think it was Truffalo Bill that was left over. I didn't see what mm. box. I didn't see what flavor of the box that she took. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was funny that it was at. The, I'll, I'll say where it was. It was at the local in uh, in mm. Long Beach Island. Um, and I only, I, like I said, I only noticed it because that lady took <laughs> took the entire box of those things. So I didn't realize that they were that. Uh, I didn't even know that they that they sold in stores like that. Um, but yeah, you can get them at stores in addition to ordering them online. But so keep an eye out there. Yeah, keep an eye out at at wherever wherever you shop for food. Keep an eye out for them there too. But the point is, though, Jimmy, like she really wanted those. She was craving those. (laughs) So, like, people do like this product, and you can get in by going to rightsellin.com using discount code BGN fifteen fifteen percent off. The same discount code can be used at wildnaturepet.com. Again, we heard from Rube earlier, Rube Seltzer, who was telling me he wants to try some of those. So I'm sure James will go to wildnaturepet.com and use discount code BGN fifteen for fifteen percent off. Some high quality dog treats. Jimmy. Is that Rube? Is, did he name him after Ruben Frank? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to ask him. Hmm. Okay. You gotta throw the break, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Back after this. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge. That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make 
all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio 190. Jimmy, let's get into our next reason for optimism. I think I'm up because you went with the defensive line. Yes. Which puts me at number five on my list, which is expectations are so low that it won't be hard to overachieve. <laughs> I think there it's true, though. There's something freeing to that, um, specifically when it comes to Hertz, too. Just like, so let me put it this way. The past few years, like with Carson Wentz, have been exhausting in some ways where like you just want your quarterback to play well and when he's not like it really sucks and now obviously last year reached a breaking point where for a lot of people you just couldn't defend him anymore it's like clearly obvious it was so bad but like in 2018 2019 like he wasn't great but it was like you felt like he was better than maybe the numbers showed or whatever or you just felt like he wasn't getting enough help mm-hmm. and you didn't really want to blame him a lot and you're just like I, but deep down you're like i just want him to be better like, i need him to be better and this year, I think with Hertz, it's kind of just a little bit more of stress-free because if he's good, it's almost like a bonus. It's not like the Eagles put all their eggs in the Jalen Hurts basket like yeah. they did with Carson Wentz. And like if he's the guy, like if they make him the guy and he's not the guy, then that's a big problem. As opposed to with Jalen Hurts, if he's not the guy, well, okay, they can just pivot. Like it's not the end of the world, basically, when your your starting quarterback struggles. Like that's not a situation you can say every year. So I think kind of that uh, being able to kind of detach yourself a little bit element. The, uh, the low expectations of it all, uh, the fact that, you know, if they win, like, eight games, that'll probably be viewed as a pretty successful season, depending, you know, how it happens. One point I'll make on that, too, like, you look at the difference between expectations heading into last season and expectations heading into this season. Like Daniel Jeremiah, who I think, you know, you and I both respect, and I think, you know, fans across the league respect, he had Carson Wentz as his number three quarterback last year. Heading into the season. And then you look yeah. at Chris Sims and that list that he put out of uh, his top 40 quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts doesn't even make it. <laughs> didn't even make his top 40 list. So that's the difference between this year and last year. And like you said, it is kind of freeing. Uh, and I like the way that you put that in a way. And that like, if something good happens, great. If something yeah. bad happens, then you already kind of expected it anyway. So yeah, uh, there, there is some kind of uh, weird comfort in that. <laughs> Uh, what's your next one, Jimmy? So um, this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but another um, stretch. I think it'll be kind of fun figuring out what. I mean, we already talked about like what Nick, you know, what kind of offense they they should. We think they should run if they're going to maximize their number of ones in twenty twenty. Like be that run heavy kind of offense with Hertz and Sanders and whatever. Um, but it'll be fun kind of figuring out, out what they do, what Nick Sirianni does offensively, and what Jonathan Gannon's going to run schematically on defense. Obviously, it's not on the same level as 2013 when Chip Kelly was heading into his first year as a head coach. And like that, like that was sort of peak excitement in terms of like 
what is the head coach going to do? Like, what kind of offense is he going to run? Is it going to be the same as like what he did at Oregon and such and such? But um, to a lesser degree, but still interesting enough, is what are Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon going to do? Like Jonathan Gannon, of course, we think he's going to run a defense that's going to look a lot like Mike Zimmer's in Minnesota. And I've always kind of found their defenses to be fun to watch. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to what they sort of roll out and we'll get our first glimpse of that in training camp, of course. But at the same time, I think they're going to want to, I mean, they've already kind of proven that they want to keep what they're going to do under wraps. So, um, you know, we'll see what they look like week one and and as we head into the season and uh, we'll see if, you know, they can kind of surprise us with, um, you know, are they able to sort of uh, out coach and out scheme, uh, you know, their, their early season opponents. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that could be fun uh, if there's like a game or two this year where you kind of see like the talent like wasn't there. Like It's not like the Eagles just won that game on talent. It's like mm-hmm. they won that game because like Nick Sirianni and or Jonathan Gannon just like like out coach the crap out of right. whoever they're playing. They like totally just like scheme stuff up where the other team does just, you know, like, oh, maybe not find them helpless, but, you know, they just didn't have answers or whatever. They just, or the Eagles were always one step ahead. I think that would be really encouraging. Along those lines, my next reason is like seeing if Nick Sirianni can actually coach is, yeah. is a reason for excitement. Because um, the energy is great and everything, but like, I don't know. That doesn't mean, I don't think that means he's a good coach or a bad coach. It's just, it's just something about him, his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see specifically, as I've talked about before, how that energy holds up, especially over the course of a season that could start off rough, not only be rough along the way, but like get specifically get off to a slow start because of who they play early on in the season. And I think one of the biggest hallmarks, if not the biggest one of Doug Peterson's tenure was that his teams generally responded to adversity. Like that was like a defining Mm -hmm. characteristic of the Super Bowl team, and then even 2018, and then even 2019. Obviously, last year, um, I mean, they didn't totally give up. You know, they like they beat the Saints there, but obviously, you know, wasn't the same extent. So, I think it'll be good to see, uh, you know, if the Eagles get off to a slow start, but they can kind of gain background at some point, kind of show they're still fighting, um, show some kind of resiliency. Um, Nick Sirianni, there isn't like quotes about how this guy's nuts and like he just needs to kind of like chill out a little bit or whatever, uh, and kind of you know maybe. Uh, the energy is, is just too much if the team is struggling. But, uh, yeah, interested to see what we learn about him this year. All right. My next one is the youth at the wide receiving position. Where the youths, uh, at least they're all young. <laughs> all right. So, like, to be determined if they'll be good. But at least they're all, like, we're not going into a season with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson mm. at this point. And, you know, they made sense, I guess or at least Deshaun did last year where you think he might be a Super Bowl contender and they had already traded for him obviously a couple of years ago. But uh, I think he made more sense. I think, you know, everyone was really excited about him when they traded for him uh, prior to the 2019 season. Didn't work out, whatever. But um, so there was some thought, I think that, you know, they should add a veteran receiver to go along with these young receivers. I don't think so. Like, just go with the young guys. Who cares? It's a rebuilding season anyway. Let's see what they can do. Uh, you won't have to worry about, you know, a guy like Alshon taking snaps away from a guy like Travis Fulgham. If they're just not playing, then they won't play on merit as opposed to having some veteran in there that, you know, I, don't, I can't even, I don't even know what the reason was that they put Alshon in over Travis Fulgham, you know, midway through the season there, but whatever. Um, we talked previously in, in uh, other episodes about, I mean, obviously, like, it's a big deal if uh, Devontae Smith is good or not. But 
if Jalen Rager can show something this year, that is huge because then you have Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager um, theoretically locking down those two top wide receiver positions. If Travis Fulgham can back to can get back to at least somewhere remotely close to what he was for that five game stretch in 2020, that's obviously a huge bonus. And then there's guys like Quez Watkins uh, to a lesser degree, maybe uh, uh, John Hightower. Um, they can show something then, then, you know, it's, it's all positive. It's all good. But I don't think, again, sort of like in the same way that we're not expecting much from Jalen Hurts. I think we're not really expecting all that much. Devontae Smith aside, of course, I think mm-hmm. his expectations are high. But him aside, I don't think many people are expecting much from this wide receiving group. But they're young. They do have some talent. So we'll see if they can, um, you know, give more reason for, for hope and optimism at that position going forward. Really interesting to see how Dylan Rager does this year. One of the most interesting players to watch. Like, are we going to see a guy who kind of breaks through and shows that, you know, last year was not quite who he is or is it going to be more of the same? If it's more of the same, kind of a big problem, uh, a yeah. big issue there. Um, my next one would be, and you kind of touched on him already, but Ryan Kerrigan terrorizing other teams potentially instead of the Eagles. I think that's nice, something to be excited about because okay. usually like when the Eagles play Washington, Kind of have to worry about Ryan Kerrigan. Like, he he was an gonna... eagle killer over the years. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, I mean, you know, there was the game. Just You can think of all the big plays. The game he ended in 2016. Uh, Matt Tobin. He, like, yep, Matt Tobin blew him up. Um, but for Carson Wentz's first game where he, like, destroys Big V. Yep. He actually rips Carson Wentz's jersey, which I've, like, never seen that before. <laughs> no, it's, like, yes. the most intense sack I've ever seen. And, like, it's like, oh, my God. Um, He's got a good sack it, celebration. He's got it's like a that, good sack celebration. That, that yeah. flex where he kind of mm-hmm. goes into like a literal pose. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah. So I'm excited to watch him. I've always liked him from afar. It'll be interesting to see him again, not blowing up the Eagles, but maybe kind of wreaking havoc on some other teams. So uh, I've, again, I've just always liked the player, like himself, not the team. Obviously, he played for, used to. But now that he's on the Eagles, that's fun. It'll be kind of interesting what his role will be too, because like he might, they might have him play sort of that quote unquote Anthony Barr role. Um, that you know that he plays in Minnesota, so or if he'll just be a straight defensive end and uh, get after the pass rusher and play run defense like a normal defensive end would. So anyway, um, my next one would be the running backs. Um, we've talked not super extensively about Miles Sanders, but um, you know, 2019 is rookie season. We thought that the concern areas were pass protection, fumbling. And could he be a receiver out of the backfield? And he quickly proved that he could do all three of those things. But the thing that we thought he was going to be good at immediately was running with the ball. And he danced a lot in the back backfield. He didn't hit holes uh, that were open with authority. And he corrected that as the season went along, uh, was honest about his deficiencies in that area early in his rookie season. And he worked toward fixing it, and he did. Next season, it was the reverse. He was great as a runner, but then those old concerns which weren't, which didn't emerge his rookie season. They came out in full force. Like he stunk in pass protection. He stunk as a receiver, and he had four fumble, four I think fumbles on the season. So um, he's got the ability to put it all together. Like if he can be a runner, if he can be the receiver that, if he can be the runner that he was last year, and, he can, and if he can be the receiver, pass protector, and protector of the football that he was as a rookie and he can put it all together like he's a top five to ten kind of running back in my opinion and then beyond him you have you know the excitement of a new guy in Kenny Gainwell 
You have Boston Scott, who actually I think like really suffered last year through no fault of his own because his best trait is in the screen game. And when you have an offensive line that has, you know, 14 or 15 different starting combinations or whatever it was, I mean, just they, they kind of all have to be on the same page. There's a lot of continuity work that goes into that and um, uh, deception that goes into, screen, into the screen game. Their screen game was horrendous last season. So, and it wasn't his fault. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Nick Sirianni can scheme. And of course, like there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the the running backs were heavily involved in the passing game in Indianapolis last year, like Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. I want to say they combined for 99 receptions last year. So Sanders, Gainwell, Boston Scott, and then we'll see who emerges from the other guys like carry on Johnson, uh, I think Jordan Howard's done. Uh, Jason Huntley is the guy that they that they claimed off waivers. We'll get a first. We'll get you and I will get our first look at him in a training camp setting because he wasn't with them last year. So um, yeah, I think it's a it's a decent r- group. But uh, if Sanders can put it all together, he can be sort of the top back that you know I think we thought he was going to be last year, but stalled in some of those areas. So if he if he can put it all together, he can maybe be that this year. So kind of interesting to look at this list if we're kind of like we did the concerns. Like I said, I wasn't really super concerned about this season as much as I kind of wanted to put a long-term focus on it through the lens of this season. If we kind of do that same thing, which we're not necessarily doing here, or I'm not, with with uh, this list, um, like because I have Ryan Kerrigan. That doesn't really matter, probably, you know, long-term. <laughs> right. in, the long, Although, yeah, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, it does not, yeah. You know, maybe he plays well and you bring him back, you know, yeah. next year or the I think next year. you trade whatever. him at the deadline if he, like, if he shows sure. out in, the half se- in that first half of the season? Sure, yeah. Maybe, maybe that'd be it, like, like you, you talked, like, previously, like, in other podcasts about, like, I want to see them make smart moves. Yes. Well, them signing him and then trading with the trade deadline <laughs> for some draft pick would be awesome. <laughs> you know what it's I just mean? funny how you brought that up i want to see them i did say that i was like i just want to do something smart like do something like you know not dumb impress me yeah something like you know like oh i didn't think of that or oh i didn't even think you would do that yeah. right so, so that, that's a good example um but taking that back to as a, how as a, how it portends to miles sanders um like in my head i feel like it'd be great to see him bounce back well, I mean, for the short term and the long term as a receiver and everything. But, like, I guess at the same time, thing, how important is that with him specifically for the sake of the Eagles? Because, like, are they going to sign Miles Sanders to a yeah. contract extension? Um, so, like, I don't That'll know. That'll be a hot debate topic oh, yeah. next year. If for you're sure. Could. Yeah. 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 Be, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, I don't know how much it matters. It might. It could. Because um, if he is this really good pass catcher, then that gives you more reason, I think, to resign him. You know, if you're like, you know, I'm not a fan of giving running backs big money, but I don't know when you're talking about like Alvin Kamara, who's like such a big impact as a pass catcher yeah. and district Christian receiver. McCaffrey, yeah, then I think that's you know it kind of becomes a little bit more okay if that guy is such a big part of your passing attack. Right. That's obviously what's valuable. Um, so we'll see on him, but that's a good one by you. Um. Let's well, why don't we take a break and then we'll, uh, okay. we'll finish. How many? Sure. How many do you have left? I have. I may have two left. Yes, okay, so I have one left, so here. that's perfect. We'll go. You, me, you in the in the right. third segment. Good planning here, out loud on the podcast, <laughs> Jimmy. Why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors? Ooh. 
Chris the Roach of Roach Reel Tours. Roach Reel Tours. Roach Reel Tours. Chris the Roach of Roach Reel Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-92. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five nine two. Back here on BGN Radio final segment, my penultimate reason to me on my list here of nine, which by the way, Jimmy and I did not actually coordinate to do nine each. It somehow just happened that we both had nine. So uh, maybe we're, we're paying respect to Nick Foles or something here. Well, we, uh, we, we had some of uh, you, you canceled out at least one of mine, two, two, of, sure. two of mine, but I had, I wrote nine, you happened to write nine. And we but figured yeah, some I'm of them saying it's would, funny. We yeah, both yeah. got to that number <laughs> right. without even coordinating. Like, not 10, right. you know, which is like, you know, maybe a more natural number to get to. Right. Uh, I have Dallas Goddard full time tight end okay. one. Uh, you know, because we haven't seen that yet. As, sure. Like going into a season, obviously, you know, he played a lot last year when Zach Ertz was down. But I think like going into the season, kind of knowing he's the guy, potentially if they're not working out an extension with him before the season, kind of like, you know, having that pressure of having to stay healthy and produce. And it's something I've talked about before as a volume target, because he has not been that as a full time player yet. And I don't doubt he can do it. Like, I think he can. But like, let's see it. Let's see. It. And let's see exactly what that looks like. Because that is very important for both, I think, the short term. Um, and I'm curious to see how he kind of works with Jalen Hurts, but also the long term. Like having this long term piece in place, Dallas Goddard is one of those guys who could be that. So not only important for this season, but moving forward. Yeah, another guy like Miles Sanders will, I mean, he's more of a candidate to get a long term deal uh, at the end of his con- rookie contract than Miles Sanders is, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, again, that'll be another hot topic next year in terms of, you know, how much. Is he worth and all that kind of stuff? Um, so my next thing will be that the trade deadline could be fun this year. <laughs> I mean, in the past, they've always been buyers, of course. They bought Golden Tate. They bought Jay Ajayi. They bought Jannard Avery for some reason. Last year, they didn't do anything for the first time in a while. So they did nothing. I mean, they they can, I think that, you know, they, well, Zach Ertz was on the table at one point, but then he got hurt and, uh, was going to be on IR, I believe, uh, short-term yeah. IR. So that basically ended any possibility of him getting dealt at the trade deadline. So we're in like month nine of the, of the in reality, we're in like month nine of Zach Ertz being on the trade block. But, uh, you know, last year, I think around that time, they still had some delusion that they could compete for the, uh, the division. And I guess they could have at that time, yeah, but it but wasn't really even worth. Who cares? Yeah, it really wasn't even worth winning. So um, they didn't trade anyway. They didn't trade away any of their better assets. Um, so you know, this year they already kind of stated that they're retooling. So they already maybe have some, you know, more recognition or more. Um, they're, they're maybe they're more realistic about what they are. And at the trade deadline. I mean, we already know that Brandon Brooks was on the, the trade block during the offseason. Um, they didn't redo Lane, they didn't re- redo Lane Johnson's contract. Like they they never restructured it, which yeah. is kind of um, you know, it's noteworthy. Like his contract was a clear um yeah. you know, one for consideration on, on that front. So if he, he told plays well Derek Gunn he was gonna restructure his contract at one point. Like oh, that's right. Gunn's podcast. Like he <laughs> that's said right. it was gonna happen. That's right. And then it didn't. Which and is then it didn't. So it is interesting that 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 never got done. 
Um, and you have other players like we already mentioned Fletcher Cox. He could help anyone really. It doesn't matter like what kind of defense, whether you're running a three, four or four, three he should be appealing to really any defense out there that has Super Bowl aspirations. If you get something good for him, I wouldn't totally take that off the table. So a lot of different possibilities, in my opinion, that can emerge uh, at the trade deadline, uh, assuming the Eagles aren't like, you know, seven and three at that point in the season, which uh, would be highly unlikely. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, that there could actually be some selling going on from the team this year, which would go against the grain of, you know, the norm. And probably a seller's market, too, at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So time to sell. And it's so- the best time of the year to to get a maximum return for your actual players, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, because teams are like, hey, we can make we get this player he's the missing piece we can make a run like right here we just need that extra piece like you know they're they're just in that mindset it's why golden take tossed it's why golden take cost a three it is for for eight games for eight Mm -hmm. games of golden cake cost a three well nine games or what's it nine or ten pieces of the playoffs but yeah eight plus the playoff game yeah yeah games um yeah so i think this could be their chance to sell fletcher cox like high to sell high on Fletcher mm-hmm. Cox. Like, I almost wonder, you know, after the season, I, I forget exactly how the contract works there with the money because they did restructure him. So maybe it's not as viable as it once was. But um, just, you know, if the if the package is too good, who cares about the cap space? You know, like if you're getting a good return for him right. and it's a bad season and you kind of do have these internal concerns about how he might age because not only is he getting older, but like he has a lot of wear and tear. Like he's played a button to up a ton of snaps by now. Um, so if you, you can know, get a two for him, and presumably that'd be like a late two because it'd be a, mm-hmm. a contender, ab- done. Right. Um, so you know, there's that. To, I mean, that's kind of sad. It's 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 funny <laughs> to like say it's right. a reason to be excited because um, you're you know it, it's gonna be sad whenever <laughs> right. if slash whenever uh, Fletcher Cox isn't playing for the Eagles. But from a long term perspective, it's exciting in that. Uh, it would also be nice to see if the team did sell, right? Like, they, oh, they actually aren't, like, diluting themselves. And right. They, they're acknowledging we actually do need to kind of get these assets and kind of launch into this rebuild here. So uh, that's a good another one by you, which that was your last one, right? That was my last one, yeah. Which brings me to my last one, which is Jordan Mailata proving himself as a long-term mm-hmm. left tackle. Okay. I think Jordan Mailata will win that job. Um, and... Again, as as things go that aren't just about this season, but looking beyond, that's really important. If you could, if if nothing else, if the team is bad this year, but you find out that like Jalen or, or Jordan Mailata is like a cornerstone left tackle that you can move forward with, like great. That's a. It's not going to say the season is a rousing success because of that, because the quarterback is the ultimate thing. But that's a pretty big accomplishment to like like bigger than a playoff win, I would say, you know, a meaningless, you know, like one playoff win, I would say like finding like a long-term left tackle would be a right. pretty big deal. So especially for a organization that has not had to struggle to find those guys, you know, Trey Thomas, Jason Peters, um, and we thought Andre Dillard, but not quite, maybe, maybe though, we'll see about that one. Um, but I, I do think it'll be my Lada, and I think he's just fun to watch play too. Like you, you've posted the clips of him too, yeah. just throwing people around out there. Just he's a fun player to watch. The uh, so for those of you who really listen more to the podcast and you read our stuff, I've mentioned in several articles that um, the one really encouraging thing about his season last year was he got more and more aggressive as the season went along, like presumably as as his confidence grew, he was just looking to dominate, particularly in the run game. He was just throwing guys around. And that was fun to watch. Like even in the past, even in pass protection, sometimes if he had the, oppor- if he had the opportunity to just toss somebody to the ground, he took it. He's 6'8", he's 346, 
So he's a huge player, but sometimes big players don't play like big players. So it was good to see him actually play to his size. And you remember like those clips when they first drafted him, like as the rugby player, where he's just this big guy and he's running through people. Like he was a big guy that used every bit of his bigliness to just dominate all these smaller dudes. And it was fun to watch. And he like, he plays to that. So like some guys don't, don't, take the advantage that they have that size and strength, whatever, and use it. And he does. So there was that. And, you know, just as a player, um, I already mentioned, like he, he was dominant at times in the run game as a pass protector. He's sort of the opposite of Andre Dillard and that Dillard is fine. Like, you know, mirror matching speed because of his, you know, really good athleticism and, uh, and his quick feet and all that could not anchor like in any way, like he's just got wrecked by power rushes my lot is the opposite. Like, um, he he's a brick wall. Like, you try to bull rush him, forget it. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. And um, as far as speed rushes go, like he's not as bad against speed rushers as Dillard is against power rushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where he that, that is an area where he struggled. He actually gave up the most number of snacks sacks. Excuse me, uh, on mm-hmm. the team last year. Uh, excuse me, I don't think he was at fault for the most sacks aside from Carson Wentz and yeah. Jalen Hurts. Um, but uh, but. You know, he also played the most number of snaps among the offensive tackles. So to be expected. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I think he is uh, a fun player to watch. And uh, if he can make the next step, and obviously his ceiling is super high still because it was the first time he ever played football on any level in a real game. It's just crazy that he played as well as he did last year. So his ceiling is still really high. And uh, it'll be it'll be good to see him take an, another step forward if he can do that. I think talent generally matters most. And yes. Jordan Mylotta has a lot of talent, but to his credit, incredibly coachable. And I yes. think you're kind of seeing how much that can matter sometimes when it comes to players. Players who are very willing to be coached. And like his, Mylotta had to be because he didn't come in here with any kind of base knowledge of what he was doing. He can't just go out there and think, like, oh, I don't need the coaches. Like, I can rely on my talent. Like, no, he obviously can't. Like, he has to learn the position to play the game. And I think, you know, more players could benefit from that kind of mindset. Like, having, like, hey, the coach, I got to trust the coach. I actually, like, the coach knows what they're doing. And sometimes they don't. So maybe don't always. And there's, there, you know, there are, there are cases, you know, again, bad coaches and whatnot. But, in general, I just think you know it's a good combination of obviously an awesome coach in Jeff Stoutland yeah. and a player who really genuinely wants to get better at his craft. And there was that one point during the offseason where it looked like there's reporting anyway that Jeff Stoutland was going to go back to Alabama and then he wound up staying with the Eagles. And the biggest beneficiary of that on the team, uh, in my opinion, was Jordan Malata. Well, Jordan himself said something about like, like he needed Stout back. Like mm-hmm. he'd been like terrified. Like he. he I think he's talked about him, you know, as like a father figure. You know, it's it's it was a big deal. So, um, that's my list to me. That's your list. Do you have any final thoughts here? Crazy that there is like like you. We always start these podcasts off with some kind of news item. Like even last week, there wasn't really much that happened. But there was at least I forget what we talked about. But there was like <laughs> a couple like quick little. There was nothing over the past week. Actually, week plus because we're publishing. We're yep. probably publish this on a Tuesday. Um, so, like, not ever, over the last like nine, ten days, like absolutely nothing. So we are in the dead, dead ass period of the off season. Uh, so, which is fine for me. I'm enjoying my summer uh, as best I can. That's my final thought. Enjoy your summers. Have fun and uh, be nice to each other. We'll be back with the uh, regular season soon enough. Yeah, it'll be here. Um, 
uh, it is funny, Jimmy. I-, I swear the Eagles have never been more dead in terms of <laughs> like the, the, there's never been less buzz. Like I know the dead zone is usually quiet, yeah, but sometimes like there's a thing or two that pops up. Nothing, like you said, it's no- nothing, <laughs> right? With this team, yeah, like which, the, you know, like there are other like discussions that are happening like league wide in the NFL, like. Um, I for, I can't think of any examples, but there's always like some some kind of like, um, uh, like you know, a topic of the day or something. yeah, like you, like a Peter like a like a weekly Peter King article, for example, like mm-hmm. that, that comes out, or you know, some of these other guys will mention the Eagles and have some sort of interesting takeaway about them, and you know, that'll kind of make its way around Twitter and on in articles and pod. There's none of that because nobody's talking about the Eagles, nobody cares. That is true. <laughs> uh, my final thought is kind of. It's, I see the discussion with a lot of these lists that have come out, like PFF ranked the Eagles roster uh, as the fourth worst. And That's you know, dumb, by the way. They're not worse than Jacksonville. That's ridiculous. Jacksonville's ahead of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I only saw the I only saw the tweet of the uh, bottom five that they had, and they had Jacksonville ahead of them. So I, I assume there are other teams that I would disagree with that are ahead of them as well. Like they're a bad roster, no doubt, but they're not like they're not bottom four roster. I don't know, Jimmy. It's pretty bad when you really think about it. Like they don't have a quarterback too. Trenches, Their linebackers baby. aren't any good. Their wide receivers might not be any good. The quarterback might be one of the worst starters in the league. Mm. The offensive lines and defensive lines have a lot of pitfalls on them. A lot of ifs. Like I don't know. I think they're in that conversation. I don't. I don't know. I. This isn't the point though. This isn't the. There point. are teams that have nothing. To... They don't even have ifs. Like they, they have nothing. Okay. Sure. Um, I think. You know, you see like the negativity around those things, and then you know, even just us going over the concerns last week. But uh, you know, we balance it out. Just, I feel like a lot of people are like, "Oh, this Eagles team is going to be better than people think." I feel like that's becoming a big thing. I'm seeing like, "Oh, this people's going to," and maybe it will. But uh, I don't know. I feel like that's almost getting said a little too much to the point where like it's not even like like uh, like a low key kind of like sleeper thing. Like it feels like that is becoming more and more said, which is actually just hype. If everyone's saying, oh, this team's going to be better, it seems to be better than you think. It seems to be better than you think. I don't know. From my stance, as I've said, and this doesn't have to be your stance, but my stance is this team does not deserve my benefit of the doubt or anyone's benefit of the doubt. Like, they have to prove I'm with it. you there, yeah. yeah they, they've <laughs> lost, like, oh, we should just, you know, think they know it. No. Like, after the past couple seasons of watching them, it hasn't been fun. And uh, if they prove otherwise, then, again, I'll give them credit. I'll be the first one to give them credit. But I'm not just assuming that. So, what's, your, uh, what's your record now? We'll update it. We'll, we'll, we'll update every every couple of weeks. Yeah, record prediction. Watched the over, I think, didn't I? On the six point well, five or the six. Well, when we went we when did. we went game by game, you ended up at eight and nine. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say seven. I'm gonna say okay. seven and ten. I'm staying um, steady at six and eleven. Okay. Um. Yeah. So again, I'm not super down on them. Like, I, I don't know. They deserve a chance. I'm kind of. I'm wait and see. I'm very much wait and see mode with them, but I do think they're. I think the floor, that like the the potential for the floor is very very low, um, which I don't think is a crazy thing to say. Uh, but yeah, uh, I echo Jimmy's sentiment. Everyone be nice to each other. Have fun out there as the world is kind of reopening again. Nice to see. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Happy summer to everyone, and we'll be back with. Another episode next week, presumably. We have the NFC mixtape coming up this week. SB Nation NFL show is rolling along, as always. So rate, review, subscribe to all those things. And follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Um, shout out to Jess. We got married. 
this weekend from Babes on Broad, our own. Oh, so congrats okay. to her. Good for her. Big deal. Um, I saw she somehow had like a Super Bowl ring to wear at the wedding. So I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but very cool. Um, and she yeah, bought, she bought one like Eskin. <laughs> All right. On that note, Jimmy. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. P G N. <laughs>